new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. <laughs> My name is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty good, Sean. Thanks for having me on today. Excellent. Today, <laughs> excellent. Today we have a special guest, Mark Gowland. Mark is the founder of the largest color festival in Canada called the Midsummer's Dream. Every August, Mark, bring, Mark brings thousands of people together to experience a color festival unlike any other. It's a day of music, dancing, yoga, meditation, color, and festivities. Mark uses visualization, meditation, and dreams as tools to create his festival. Mark, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. <laughs> so we wanted to get right into it and talk about your journey first. Mm -hmm. So what gave you this idea? What was the spark? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, okay, so like... Who, uh, who wakes up and says, you know what, I want to create a festival for right? 11,000 people and throw... <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so basically I was working at a marketing agency and I didn't, I didn't like it. So I got... Um, I ended up... I got fired on purpose. And then uh, I was like, well, after I was done... Uh, that job I knew that I wanted to start something and I had no idea what I wanted to do and I was painting a lot and I was like playing a lot of guitar and everything and I started this blog and I actually was reading a lot of Joseph Campbell do you know Joseph Campbell no. he was a mythologist who basically like studied myth across all cultures and he kind of like coined the hero's journey but one of his things which really hit home to me was um he said that if you follow your bliss, doors will open up for you where there are once only walls. Mm -hmm. So I decided to create like a bliss experiment for myself. So anything that I would bliss out on, I would just do. You know, so I went like skydiving and started writing and playing guitar and I started this blog. And, and then one day, one fateful day, <laughs> I think it was just like in mid-April, I, I was in a coffee shop and I was on the Imaginary Foundations blog and they posted a video of Holy. And I was spellbound. It was like, to me, it was just the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. Like, ever. It was just through the streets of India. I believe it was... Well, in, what is holy? Yeah. It's uh, the Hindu Festival of Colors. So I, I think it was in Varanasi. So it's a celebration of the triumph of good over evil. And I didn't know that. I just saw like people throwing colors. I was like, what is this? This is incredible. <laughs> you know? And, and so then I, um, I, I probably watched that video like 20 times. After that, I started doing more research and I found out like what the meaning was, was it celebrates the disillusion of social barriers, the triumph of good over evil. And then I found out that there was a Hare Krishna temple in Utah that was doing it and they had like 50,000 people. And I was like, wow. In Utah. In places. Utah, in the heart of Mormon country at a Hare Krishna temple, you know, we'll talk about anomalies, you know. Uh, so, so then... Um, so then uh, I had already, I did an internship in college for event management and I had, uh, I went to school for marketing and I was like, you know what? Why not? You know, like <laughs> I'm just going to do a festival. So I, that's how it started. Um, funny thing is, is, um, so I, I had, I didn't have any money to do it at all. You know? So I went out to go like sell sponsorships and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to sell sponsorships. It's going to be super easy. And so I went to people and like, Hey, do you want to sponsor my festival? No, you know, like, who are you? What is this? Absolutely not. So I was like getting, I was getting kind of like down a bit, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, you know, I ended up praying. I was like, Hey God, it's me. I haven't <laughs> talked in a while, but I could use some, uh, can use some wind in my sails. And, uh, my sister was actually graduating from Brock. So I went to her graduation and they said that Isaac Brock's last words were push on through. And like then they pushed on through and they won the battles. Like you gotta be kidding me! 
was, and that was like the, the day before I had asked for some kind yeah. of like guidance or whatever. And I was, I remember just sitting there. I was, I was like, okay, I hear you. I'm listening now, you know, but I was like, okay, well, I don't, um, I don't have any money yet, so I'll push on through, but uh, I still need money. And then the next day I got a letter in the mail saying I've been pre-approved for a credit card for like a bunch of money. You know, and I was like, well, that's my money then. So I used every credit card I had. I used every dime that I had and I put the festival on and I lost money the first year. But it made like the front page of the of the Hamilton Spectator. Oh, wow. And then I was like, OK, well, I'll probably have something. And uh, I still have all this color, so I don't know how to sell it. So I'm just going to have to do the festival again. And then the second year I broke even. The third year uh, it rained and I broke even. And then the fourth year it just started to snowball after that. You're, feeling, you're seeing the success. Yeah. Right Amazing. So again, let's backtrack a little bit. So color mm-hmm. is, what is color? Like what what are they throwing at each other? Uh, it's uh, cornstarch and food coloring essentially. Is there, or as uh, they, they call it in India, gulal. Okay. Uh, and so I actually get it in India and I was in Delhi and I met uh, basically the Pablo Escobar color. And we, uh-huh. and we like hung out in <laughs> Delhi for a while <laughs> and he was telling me how much about his color and how he puts like fruits and perfumes in it and stuff oh, like so that. So you get the good stuff. I get the greatest <laughs> stuff. Right, yeah. Straight from the source? Yeah. Straight from the you source. Know. So yeah, no. You know, for those listening, my background is Indian, so I do have a little bit of familiarity mm-hmm. with it, not too much. But yeah, you put on white garbs, right? Everybody mm-hmm. dresses with white clothing, and mm-hmm. they take it in powder form. They take these colors, and then just have fun throwing it at each mm-hmm. other, right? Yeah, and then like I'd, one of the most beautiful uh, sayings about holy is like, "Never mind, it's holy." Like that is like this is the one day where you should be taking nothing seriously. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, because how much in life do we just like take things seriously? It's almost like we're in some kind of trance where we just like go home, go to work, do this, do that. And like we go through our day and then here's a big pattern interrupt where everyone's just like, ah, you know, uh, maybe not like that. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. It's like, uh, you know, those people do those like spontaneous dances mm-hmm. in big like flash mobs. malls or whatever. Oh, flash yeah, mobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that or. Like, you know, I, let's, let's go out into the busy street and hand people 50 water guns and see what happens. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll have fun. Maybe they'll enjoy it. They probably will. Yeah. You know? I, I love the, the fact, too, that it's so unique. Mm-hmm. I think, especially in our culture, you don't really see that. Mm-hmm. And so I can only assume that people are having fun because mm-hmm. it's just new. Right? It's visceral. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, like, I always want to make sure that I'm, I'm sticking to the what holy represents that's why i don't even sell alcohol at it Mm. just because like Mm. that's not what it's intended you know what i mean like i always want yes i'm i'm you know uh representing or putting on a festival that comes from india and i want to make sure that i'm sticking to and like representing and paying as much respect as i possibly can to it because i think it's beautiful and i think if people want to learn more they should you know, I don't, and and every programming that I've ever done has been uh, that added to the festival has always been um, geared towards like the upliftment of people as that mm-hmm. that are on the good side. Even the music I choose, mm-hmm. you know, that everything has to be positive, uplifting because I just love oh, the wow. message. You know, that's amazing. But um, it, it, actually, a great segue. If we're going to be talking about dreaming and stuff like that. Is so the Australian Aborigines and they they really had this really great insight into what they called the dreaming. So I I think and um, and I'll just add one other thing because this guy Arnold Mendel is the one who really 
He was a, he was a uh, Jungian psychoanalyst and quantum physicist who spent a lot of time with the Australian Aboriginals, and he started to find out that everything has a mind. You know, even this podcast has a mind. My festival definitely has a mind, and like all the programmings and stuff that I add to it, it's like it gives it to me. You know, I don't think that I I wouldn't say that I'm like you know the this like the master of the ship or whatever. I think I'm just more of the servant of the festival. Like it tells me what it needs, and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I like I work with the dreaming of the festival as a servant of the festival, and like and it'll tell it and, uh, and it'll tell me through dreams, through like thoughts, you know, that, and thoughts that almost like ring like a gong, almost that like this person should be involved, this person shouldn't be involved, that kind of stuff, and I just I'm just like acting on its behalf. That's amazing. You know? no, it's, it's, we don't. I don't think we've ever heard anyone say anything like that. Not like that, no. no. I mean, it's like you're building a culture, an identity for the festival itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't own it. Like, no, I don't. Not, it's like it's totally the yeah. community's. It's totally the community's festival. You know, like the festival is different than a business. I mean, a festival technically is a business, but a festival is nothing without the people who put it on. You know, like there are so many people involved in making this. Uh, come to life that like there you can't just like yeah okay i like i started it like but i mean there was the day of the festival there was a lot of people there making sure that it ran smoothly mm-hmm. you know so it's not just it's not just me it's like a whole collective mind and then and then the, that's another thing about the process mind and in the dreaming is that process mind will essentially like reach out and grab other people that ring true with the same vibration and then the more minds that are surrounding the vision will start to collectively make it bigger Mm. and then it'll throw out minds if they don't like if they're not in the same resonance as it yeah yeah do you find the people working with you kind of naturally gravitate towards that Mm -hmm. ideology totally yeah it's that's why i can i can say that without a shadow of a doubt like the people who there are there have been some people who have who have came in with like not the greatest intentions Mm -hmm. and they were thrown out pretty quickly you know and then like the people there have been people that have been coming and like uh and they've been around for a couple years you know and then and then we even create a friendship around it that like they help me i help them so it's a total reciprocal thing you know describe your community to me not just like I want to know Mark Gowland's community and also like the community of Hamilton and the impact the festivals had on that community itself. What kind of community? What do you mean? Well, the network around you and mm-hmm. because, you know, I network community, like mm-hmm. I use those interchangeably because, you know, you need those people around you to kind of support you. Be Absolutely. There for you, you be Absolutely. There for them. Uh, so there's a couple organizations that uh, help with the festival. Uh, one's the Hindu Samaj Temple of, mm. uh, of Hamilton. Um, my friends, actually, uh, Trish and Sanjay, uh, they have started uh, Art Battle in Hamilton. And they're also helping with uh, the Temple of Creativity, which is like one of the programs at the festival, which is a interactive do-it-yourself arts and crafts. Okay. So they help with the Temple of Creativity, and then I help them with uh, Art Battle. You know, But Sanjay's actually been a really good friend of mine, and he started uh, with the festival like in the second year. And he's just, he just came to help and he's been like amazing. And so is Trish. They've, I can't sing their praises enough, you know. Uh, some of the other people that have came on is like um, uh, Baldi Randua. And he um, books the bands for the festival, but he's also booked bands for like Sound of Music. And some of the people who have, who work with Sound of Music have started to help. Uh, Tracy Halloway, she's really involved in the arts community and has been involved in like 
Art Crawl, and she like a social media manager, and she even has her own think tanks as well. And all these different people just start to come together, and we like start to work together and plan the festival and think like, what's this? Mm. What's that? And then then people will come in, and people will will come out, and uh, we just keep moving, you know. I feel that's been very important uh, in starting any venture, especially with the podcast and the, the Grief Dreams uh, network that kind of mm-hmm. community we, we're a part of. You know, we've got a lot of people helping us, working with us as well yeah. to get us where we need to be. And, and they all kind of have their input and intention, uh, positive intention that adds to mm-hmm. the whole group system. Absolutely. What about the city itself? You know, it, it, you're located in Hamilton. You only do the festival in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? What, what type of impact has that had around that community and maybe the surrounding community because you're bringing a lot of people in that's mm-hmm. you know what was your last one Eleven thousand people mm-hmm. that's incredible yeah uh i also just like to say that there's more people involved in the festival there's absolutely like, i just want to say give a shout out to my friend rob scazzari he's uh, been designing every single design for the festival brandon deluca zach nash anthony d domenico uh, Dan and Joanna. Uh, I feel like I want to give you a grand. I like a little. just want to like. There's so many people. Judy, Takes Bosman, village. Mark Thorne, you know, Emily, all those people. Uh, they've all like been a huge help. There's been there's been there's been a lot of people. My dad, my mom, my brother, my sister. All. Is those. there a page where you can see people who've like? No, no. Okay. <laughs> and I just wanted everyone who's been a part of the festival. I just I just wanted yeah. to say that. Matt Green as well. Uh, so, we'll go, we'll go. so Matt Green is actually counselor of the ward that the festival's in. Uh, so that's a great segue into this, the city of Hamilton. Uh, this past year, this past summer, Matt actually um, was able to bring a live stream of the Tragically Hips uh, show on August 20th. So they, people, 20,000 people came to the festival after a Midsummer's Dream. So in total, that day brought 30,000 people to Gage Park. Wow. Yep. Whoa. Yep. And is it all free? Like it was all free. Yeah, they live stream the uh, that's crazy the event. Um, I think that's something in our culture we need more of. Yes. Yeah, everything is like I said, it's a business. Everyone wants to make a lot of money, and there's something about being free that brings people together, brings families. Yeah, in. and the funny thing about festivals is like, yeah, good luck thinking you're gonna make a boatloads of money on it because they're like I read somewhere that like uh, festivals are like the worst business to be in, and I can totally attest to that. And at this point, though, it's like walking around seeing all those all those smiling faces and like seeing like you know what a group of people do for the the greater good and, and like the mass community mm-hmm. so when you ask you asked about hamilton i mean it's pretty good i'd say uh we're we're drawing in more traffic from like mississauga toronto london st Catharines, uh windsor i'm trying to think brantford too i think like more and more people are coming out mostly just because of like the marketing efforts and then the more money that I get, I can like expand into like uh, different different markets. I'd say for the most part, everyone's been pretty good about it. There was always like there was one. Uh, I think it was what the second year. There was a McDonald's that's just across the street, and like people went in and like it got pretty pretty colored. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were messing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like they they shut it down, <laughs> and there was like this sign that's just like we're closed because of the destruction and everything. And it, it made the paper, and they're like, yeah. Mark Allen wow. can be met, a manage a message for comment, but like they didn't even try and message me. Like, <laughs> You're messing with profits now. <laughs> yeah, right. But like they made so much. So the, every year now I go across the street and be like, hey, just so you know, the festival's <laughs> happening in like a month. So you just. It's not like I didn't tell you, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it, it is still a one-day event, and I have an event guide as well that like people will download, and then uh, they it'll say like 
because it happens in a neighborhood, we always make sure that they're respectful of the community mm. surrounding and that we keep all color within the park. And everyone's been actually pretty good about that, I'd say. Uh, we're also, um, instead of like charging event, we do um, uh, food raiser as well. And that's actually based off of uh, Neem Karali Baba's teaching, which was the way to enlightenment is to serve people and to feed people. So we have raised about... 9,500 to 10,000 pounds of food since we began that has been uh, donated to local food banks wow. so far. Yeah. It seems like such a beautiful event. I wish you all the best as you move forward with that, as it takes on and reaches more people. Because as it say every year, especially this last year, it was nice weather. And so that vibe, yeah. right? And, <laughs> right? So please. <laughs> just, and I think just that, it helps spread the word because everyone enjoyed themselves, right? Because there's something about being outdoors, having fun that we don't get enough of. No. You know, everything's indoors now, yeah. right? Because people want to control their settings so they can, you know, at least... You know, they know what to expect, but with the weather, you can't. So wish you all the best as you move forward with that. Thanks. You know, I, you know, and it's sad. I haven't actually had a chance to go to that yet. I didn't even know about it till last year. So I'm super bummed I haven't been to it for three, like those three, it's okay, four man. years. We're going to go. But yeah, we're going to go. We're going to throw a paint at each other. Do you have red? I love red. You don't. You're really? in all in red. I do wear all red. <laughs> <laughs> Why no red? Uh, just because, uh, I don't know, I had six... Six oh, colors. I thought there might be some significance. Okay. No, 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 no. We gotta talk to your guy. Okay, I can get red. I can get red. I can get you a bag of red. I would love you. red because that's what I would throw everyone. Yeah, bag. two <laughs> kilos red. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So once again, I can't. I'm so excited to actually visit this and be a part of it and just see the faces that you said you saw, like people yeah. having fun and enjoying themselves in a positive environment where it's not about money and making money it's just about you know this entity growing on its own and providing mm -hmm. a space for people to be free yeah you know totally. and to have fun and to sort of love life again because in, in life so often we take it so seriously and we just get so much anxiety so much fear and we lose the joy in life mm -hmm. and, and hopefully that event can help people see that at least one moment to realize it's possible at the next moment and you know what i think what it comes down to is like it's a is a rekindling of the inner child mm. you know play right josh, josh always talks about play right I yeah do, yeah like especially because you see that in the grief dreams where um if it was adults they're always talking to each other mm-hmm they're never playing, but you see with uh, animals like pets uh, that have passed away or children, they're playing. They're playing tag. They're, mm -hmm. you know, peekaboo. They're always running after each other. And so you realize, I realize just by looking at those dreams, we as adults don't ever play with our friends anymore. Yeah. You know? We just talk, you know? Like, so I really, like, even in my own talks now, I try to, I did this thing at BFO where uh, uh, I made chill, like dream catchers with, uh, child, or with adults, but I made it in a way that only children We'll be able to make it so mm -hmm. pipe cleaners and like really like just child stuff and it seemed to like connect with that inner child and they actually enjoyed it which i i didn't know it would work or not but it did and oh so, it works yeah there's something about going there and if everyone else is doing they feel safe that they can do it you know like i think because mm -hmm. they don't feel judged right it's like when i walk i used to always as a kid try to like jump and touch like a branch that's really high mm -hmm. <laughs> you know but i stopped doing that and then like it was last year i'm like i wonder if i can still jump and touch that branch and then when i did it i'm like i probably look like a fool but i'm like it felt good yeah because yeah. you were like three times taller than <laughs> yeah that too yeah. <laughs> i wonder if i can touch that branch just walk up and touch it <laughs> so this is i think a good statement because i know you have to you have to run and we had some complications this podcast with alarms going off and, and whatnot that's okay uh, so um through this journey i know you sort of talked about your, uh, of your course. festival yeah, yeah of course haven't we all lost someone along the way yeah you know? uh i think it um I, I, I you ever heard of carlos castaneda no okay uh castaneda um 
got his PhD in like anthropology and he worked through like he was studied with like a Mexican sorcerer. Now also it's debatable whether his thing was true, but what I can say is that guy had a great imagination if it was totally false. One thing that they said in that um, book was that death stalks us all, you know, mm-hmm. and that like as a warrior should always be aware of his death throughout his life. And I think like when I read that, it was very sobering because if I'm if I'm faced with a with a situation or a solution or, or a problem that I have to like make this this way or that way, I'll think of like myself on my deathbed and I'd be like, which decision would I would I have been happier about? Uh, if I was in this situation and then I'll always decide on the one that I would be happier about. Mm. So, um, when it talks with death, yeah, I, I, uh, I had some losses when I was, um, younger and that deeply affected my life. But if we're going to do a segue into like dreams, for instance, and dreaming of like the deceased, um, I was also part of a, uh, of a Native American movement in 2012 with uh, Teresa Spence in, in Ottawa. And um, I, I've had a lot of uh, different dreams about deceased uh, relatives that have passed. Um, one, one in particular, my grandfather was, had a really big impact on my life as, as a kid. Um, he was like, he was more known as, as more of like a freer spirit or like hitchhike and stuff. But um, so when I ended up in Ottawa, I'm like the second, I had like quit my job and everything. And it was, yeah. <laughs> but um, on, I think on my second, my second night I was there. Uh, so I, I arrived the first day, then I went back to the hostel, went to sleep. And that night I had a dream and my grandfather was looking at me and smiling, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew that I had made the right decision. And like from there on, like people just started and, and the interesting thing, especially about being with, uh, first nations people, uh, we started talking about dreams and like the guy who, a guy showed up that day and he brought his drum. He was from Saskatchewan. He said, I had a dream that my grandfather had came to me and told me that, uh, I should sing my songs, uh, for this, this woman. So he, so the, and these were, these were the songs that his deceased grandfather had also told him like, I had a dream about my dead grandfather as well last night. <laughs> and we like talked about that. And it's amazing how First Nations people will put great importance on their dreams. And then uh, Western culture, you know, um, that won't. And it, I don't, I think we should definitely have more importance on our dreams because like that is us. And like when we're, when we're dreaming, like the world is real. Like there, we don't question it. It's like, this is a real experience that we're having. And then we wake up like, oh, it's just a dream. (laughs) But like, it was totally real, you know? And what fascinates me too, is that we're walking down the road or walking on the sidewalk and every person we pass has, goes on a nightly adventure. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And they enter in a totally different world and we all seem to meet collectively in this one. Blows my mind every day. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely would, and I think too when you when you talk about dreams, there is always a fascination mm-hmm. when you bring up dreams, especially like grief dreams or dreams of the deceased. Mm-hmm. There's people take a different kind of importance of those dreams, and I think it connects with a deeper part of an individual, their pain, their love, their sorrow that they tend to sort of I think hold back from the world. So when mm-hmm. you sort of you said you you talked about your grandfather's dream to the individual, it's like there's a bond that's made right away mm-hmm. that talking about any other dream may not have sort of brought and that's what I love about this like I'll talk to someone about their dream and it's like they're opening up their whole world to me Mm -hmm. and 
then it's like I'm best friends with them for like a moment. And you're like, wow, like if I didn't like do this topic, it'd probably take me maybe two years for you to express those emotions. Totally. Those fears, that love, the passion, right? All that sort of stuff. And so there's just something so unique about these experiences. And so I'm glad you had one that was very positive and you're open to hearing these mm-hmm. um, as you move forward in life. And not everyone is. And that's, I think, the reason why we're doing this is to just raise awareness in all in the unique different ways to say, hey, this is okay in our culture, mm-hmm. right? Like um, other cultures, they, they cherish these dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, this culture sort of downplays them a lot. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why, like maybe, maybe because there's a lot of power in dreams and maybe like, I don't know, like if we're going to go conspiracy <laughs> theorists or whatever, maybe they just don't want to talk about it because it'll like a, an individual who is in, supremely in touch with their dreams will become an awake human. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I always like to think that, you know, society is kind of, because science couldn't really maybe def- define it properly or prove it properly that it kind of got pushed into the pseudoscience bucket mm-hmm. and everything in that bucket is kind of just like uh, airy, it is airy. Is. yeah yeah so. even in like even beyond that too like my supervisor was telling me how they mistranslated the bible and so they're translating dreams as a negative thing and so that shed a lot of people away from even the topic itself but th- that's the thing like how can it how can it be like disregarded if everyone does it every night how can how is that just junk we spend a ton you know? of our life sleeping you know mm-hmm. right how is that how's that junk i don't get it i'm guessing it's you know people that maybe that had these it's like a lot of people are dreaming everyone's dreaming but not everyone's remembering their dreams and so i think there's something about you know maybe those people who don't remember their dreams mm-hmm. they make these policies and make these things because even looking at my topic those people who don't value grief dreams in places of bereavement organizations, which you'd think they would, mm-hmm. um, they themselves have never had a dream themselves of the deceased that they've lost. So they have no importance. So I think a lot of people just don't, if they don't dream, it's not... Do the experience. Yeah, yeah, it's that experience they don't get. And I think it's certain people have certain experiences through dreams mm-hmm. and they remember them and they ch- it helps change their lives. It's like moments of magic. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have yeah. like one of those dreams where you're just like, oh yeah. You know, like Jung would say that there's big dreams and little dreams. Yeah. You know, big dreams are the ones that um, totally change your life and you'll never forget them as long as you live. The little dreams are the ones that you have to write out in a journal and they'll piece together like a river and they'll flow together perfectly. Like if if I keep there's there's times where I'll like be super intense about my dream journaling. Mm -hmm. And if I go back, like I'll just write it out and I'll just forget it. But if I look back. And I'll start to notice over like a two-week period, the same theme that happens like throughout a two-week period with the same type of dream themes, same type of objects, same type of things. And then what you can do is you can go in and be like, okay, and then you can start doing free association with like, okay, what does that mean? And then the subconscious will give you something. And then I'll like, I'll just like, are you sure? And then someone's like, no, I'm not sure. You know, so then I'll have to like go and play around with that. But it's very interesting. You know? And it's a creative way to explore yeah. your world, right? A, a different world. Yeah. You know, that's trying to give you guidance is sort of, we didn't get a lot of chance to talk to about these dreams. We're going to have to have you back on because uh, no kind problem. of time is running short. But yeah, like the dream world itself, you have a lot of knowledge of, you really like the young approach, right? Young approach. Yeah, yeah, well, I like it all. Yeah. You know, like even lucid dreaming. I, I used to be super intense about lucid dreaming. Uh, I had an opportunity uh, to live in uh, the BC mountains when I was 22 and I had like a month period before work mm-hmm. and I lived of, above a garage and 
all I did for a month was practice lucid dreaming and run through the mountains. That's all I would do. So during the day, I would like go on these naps where I would like try and lucid dream. And I actually used the castaneda approach where I talked about dream anchoring and talking about uh, you have to, when how they look talked about like lucid dreaming and the way to get it is you got to realize that you're falling asleep. And he would almost say it's. He would almost say that it's like rolling over into a ditch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've even noticed like there's there's a dream. I have like a dreaming gate almost where there's there's a certain I don't know veil, and that's what actually the uh, Tibetan uh, dream yoga practice would would talk about was when you, they wanted to stay super conscious to pierce the veil, and then they can remain conscious through to the other side. Mm-hmm. So while okay, so instance like while Castaneda's approach for lucid dreaming was. Um, you start to like look for dream triggers and, and like, okay, this isn't right. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you know it's not right, you pull your hands up in your dream and you anchor yourself in the experience. And mm-hmm. pulling your anchor is you, then you, you anchor yourself into your dream body. You know, because mostly in, in dreams, like all we are is just this ball of awareness just like floating around, you know. Yeah. But all of a sudden, now we've got a body. And then, so if you anchor yourself, you're not going to the classroom to the mountains right away, right? Like you're just like in the space the spot that you're in and then you look around and then you do this you know and so my very first time i ever did that i was super powerful and i was on like this um okay you know in a garden where it's like ivy grows along a fence i was like climbing around that yeah and i like looked over and there was this old uh native american man with long white hair and a uh, light blue robe and he's like look at your hands and i went Uh, no way i'm doing it you know were there any mushrooms involved no there was none at this time you know and then uh and then he's like now go to the ocean and uh, i went to the ocean and a killer whale came out of the ocean i played in the ocean and look as you know and now i carry this around with me at all times because this is my totem and uh, i played in the ocean with this orca for I don't know, a couple minutes, and then it wow. like, and then it swam away. I'm like, fuck, you know. And then I woke up. I remember I woke up. I'm like, I just had my first lucid dream in a long time. And I love it, you know. So those those type of practices. But then there's there's other ones too. Like I've I've been in situations where I became lucid, and I was in a room, and I'm like, I can do anything I want. So I'm going to push this fireplace back, and I like push the fireplace back. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm gonna open this spot. And then I looked at this window. I'm like, this window's gonna break. And then the window shattered. And then uh-huh. I like rearranged everything, and I opened the wall, and I just like walked through. And that's like when you have when you're in pure creation mode. Yeah. There. Yeah. You know? And that's different than some of the other dreams I'm guessing you had that gives you inspiration mm-hmm. or problem solving because you're not really problem solving when you're creating. Well, so the interesting thing about lucid dreams. Is that if you become lucid, you can solve any problem down below. Okay, so another point, if like there's a practice, if you want to hear yourself through lucid dreams, is is you think of a a situation or a problem that you want to solve, whether it's like grief or whether it's just like an everyday problem in in your life, and you become lucid, and then you start to look around your dreamscape for an area that's kind of like dark, and then that's where your problem is. And you got to go in there and face the monster in the cave. But because you're lucid, you can ask it questions. You don't go and kill it. Okay. I mean, killing killing a, a dream enemy is like from a different dreaming culture. But in this particular practice, they say to go and talk to whatever in that dark space and start to question it. Why is it this way? Why mm. is why is it doing this? Why are you? Why is this happening? 
you know okay. and then it'll start to give you things like oh, it will it'll give yeah. you shit part of my french but i was like oh man you know and then like and then there's the sonoy people of malaysia uh they talk about killing uh the dream people who are attacking you and once you kill them you demand a gift from them oh. you know and i've done that one time and like a dem- i'm like now give me a gift and he gave me an emerald Wow. Yeah, right? Sweet. And then they're your dream allies. And so as soon as you have killed them, you can call on them whenever you're scared. Wow. That's incredible. It That's seems bad. like yeah. you're engaging in a very active dreaming participation. You know, Instead of passively looking mm-hmm. around and letting dreams impact you, mm-hmm. you're saying, I want to be in there mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Yeah. Wow. And then, like, I used to be way more intense about it than what I am now, but it is a source of supreme fascination because it is like, it is an unexplored territory. Like, yeah, yeah there, there are people that have like went out there and, and have like came back with maps, but the, the whole entire landscape is still like, unexplored for the most part because it's constantly changing anyways you know but that is like that is the new like psychonauts are like going to be the next new explorers i like that psychonauts (laughs) yeah um well hold on before we we wrap this up i want to ask one question so your your grandfather Uh uh-huh what dream would you want? What your next dream, right? So if you could make it a lucid dream, what would you want to have with your grandfather in it? Actually, funny thing is, I had that. I had a dream where I was working with my dreams while I was in Thailand, and I wanted to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up having like a nice walk and talk. Oh, okay, nice. With him. Wow. And that was again when I like got really intense about my dreams, and like, and I started to get into my lucid dreaming practice again. And like, I really loved to talk with him. Yeah. And then that night, he nice. just showed up. What you was know? the environment? Like, uh, it was it? it was just um, where where I was living in in uh, Stony Creek, just oh, through okay. a survey, and we're just like walking through, having a talk, and I was like, uh, "What's it like in heaven?" You know, or like, or he's like, "I'm not on heaven. I'm in Saturn." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, man. We all go to Saturn. Some, there was like some other planet or something like That's that." The place you to know? be, you know. Or but uh, I was like, "Yeah, what is it like on the other side?" He's like, "Oh, you'll. It's fine." You know, like that kind of stuff, which was pretty cool because I wasn't, there's sometimes, you know, if you're playing around with your own imagination, you start to get answers back. It's like, am I just answering that? Or is like that actually something else? But this one was just like free formed. I was asking questions, waiting for the answer to come back. Oh, cool. You know? That's an amazing story, Mark. And, you know, again, we're going to have you on because we have a ton of amazing things and stories to tell us. Uh, just want to say thank you. You know, you're putting on a great thing. You're putting on a, a festival with the right intention, which is to, to build that community and do it in the right way uh, with building uh, that sense of wholeness and goodness, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, joy amongst people. So thank you for doing that. That's an amazing thing. And also, like, I'm with you. You know, if you're passionate, the money will come. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that you progress. Mm-hmm. There's profit coming in. We're looking forward to seeing more success for you in the future. And yeah, great work. And again, thanks for coming on the show. Where can people hear about you, learn about the festival? Uh, they can go to midsummersdream.ca. Okay. Mid- if they want to email me, they can just email me through that website and I'll, I'll get the email. Easy enough, midsummersdream.ca. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll wrap up our stuff. Everybody, if you want to get a hold of us, please check out the griefdreams.ca website. We have some new research articles by Joshua Black, so check that out. Also, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Grief Dreams. Check out our newsletter 
And as well, our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean.com, and uh, most other podcast apps as well. And you can shoot us a line if you have any comments or questions at griefdreamspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Mark, thank you. Josh. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bye, everybody. beginning beginning